when you're trying to help people and stuff like that, it's oftentimes for our own worst enemy. Mm. People are usually in their own way. And so, mm. but at the same time, it's like, who am I to tell you that you're in your own way? It's like, I'm not, I'm not that person to be able to like, be like, I don't necessarily know what it is. I know I want to help people, but like, how can I help you without it seeming like I know what's best for you? So that's always like this power struggle. At least me personally is like, you know, because I am a helper. I'm like, uh, people, uh, people will tell you that like, hey, Enoch help me is like, I'm gonna go out of my way to help you. You know, even if it hurts myself sometimes mm. and stuff like that. But then it's like, I, I like to allow people to ask me help. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and I have a crazy cool guest whose journey you're going to love because I love it already. And so we're going to explore it together. Mr. Enoch, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, so... I'm Enoch. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, photographer, videographer, um, background in engineering, nuclear engineering, went to Georgia Tech. I'm Atlanta native, uh, born and raised in Stonecrest, Lithonia, Decatur area. Mm, east side. East side. I'm East, east Atlanta. I'm east Atlanta. <laughs> Got you. Yeah, uh, Southwest Cap High School for all my East Atlanta people. So, you know, I try to represent the city and keep the culture alive and well. And you're doing it really well, doing it really well. So filmmaker, creative mind, I have enjoyed this conversation so far. And one thing about the Work and Play podcast is we talk about career transitions, life, life self-actualization, life transitions, and all of those crazy, wonderful things and what they actually mean to you. So you haven't always been a filmmaker, but what, what do you do right now as a filmmaker? Like, what does that life look like for you? What does that life look like for me? Um... So it's it's on the go. It's my business is open twenty four seven. Like I, I take text messages and phone calls at midnight. I'm taking them at two a.m. I take them at eight a.m. as well. So it's there is no time period. I would say that's my my biggest thing from having a nine to five to not being an entrepreneur is that my business is twenty four seven. Yeah, because I'm building up my clientele. Um, I'm trying to solve all these issues. Uh, you realize that there is twenty four hours in a day, whereas nine to five is. You know, you only have nine to five to complete the task because you ain't trying to go home with that. Mm -hmm. Facts. They ain't paying you to go home with that. So I'm not mad. Listen, so when you realize your your time is now expanded, but the thing about it is when we are in our nine to five, we so dream of having our time back that we don't necessarily think about what it, what it is that we're going to do with our time. So now you have 24 hours. One, it sounds a bit scary that you're taking calls 24-7. Um, but two, I know there's trade-offs to that. So what are the trade-offs? What are the trade-offs? Um, I would tell people, so it's, it, there are pros and cons that come with every single situation. So anybody who's ever heard me talk about corporate America and 95, they would know that I have somewhat more of a, a negative opinion of it because they really monopolize your time. Mm -hmm. They think that. They really think that they own you for that period of time. They don't allow you to really 
you know, take time to yourself and mental health breaks, which you can argue that entrepreneurs, like when you have clients, they don't want you to take time off either. Mm -hmm. But at least you know that you do have more than eight hours to be able to get accomplished what you want to get accomplished. So, and you get to set your own boundaries. So I don't have to take calls at 2 a.m. I don't have to take calls at midnight. I set those boundaries. You know, if I set the precedent of after six o'clock, if you call me, I just don't answer, you're going to get, as clients, you're going to get the point. You know, when the post office closes, you know not to go to the post office at 9 p.m. thinking that you're going to get service because it closes. Yeah. Me personally, I just know how to create my works and I know that creativity can strike at any time. So I open myself up that if it's, especially if it's a good client. So, you know. What's a good client? What's a good client? Um, A good client is a client that's uh, super transparent, super understanding, um, super communicative. Um, They know what they really want. So Mm. that's a lot of clients that that I have, but they don't necessarily know what they want. Mm. They know that they, they, they know what they're trying to make, but it's like, I have to fill in a lot of pieces. So it's like. They're at point A, they want to get to point Z, but they haven't given me the other 24 letters. Mm. And now I have to fill in those 24 letters. But you come come to me, you want to get to point Z and you're at point A, you know steps A through Y. We can work with that. Oh, we good. It's good business. I got you. Okay, so I was a little afraid at first because I'm like, how are we going to start the podcast about work and play? And you talk about working 24 hours a day. <laughs> That's not what we're talking But anyhow, <laughs> but the fact that you, one, set a criteria for who you want to answer the phone for at 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And um, because you already have, you're in a space in your business, it sounds like, where you're still building your, your clientele and you're still kind of um, grinding. So like, Tell us a little bit about the journey to actually get here. I think all of us are really excited about like the development of a person who goes from employee to entrepreneur. So what is your background? How did you start into like nuclear engineering? Okay, so nuclear engineering. Um, anybody who knows me knows I kind of have like a save the world complex. I'm always about like, I want humanity to be better. I want us to love more. I want us to really get over ourselves. Like realize that life is too short, all this hatred, Go out the window. Let's just create some dope things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, with that, I, I had a teacher in high school that really influenced me, and he was my physics teacher. And he used to tell me that the next great thing that's going to be a great challenge for humanity is going to be energy. So I went nuclear energy because I would learn about all the different. I would learn about solar. I would learn about wind. I would learn about biodegradables. I would learn about coal, oil, all mm-hmm. that kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I actually went into the solar industry for two years. That's why I was in one uh, post graduation, and then I went to robotics for the next three years. Okay. I was in corporate America, and so then COVID hit, pandemic hit, and uh, with robotics, I was in a essential worker area. So and my schedule became hectic okay hectic so i tell all nurses all doctors all essential workers and stuff like that like i was right there with you and i gave them all kudos because it was hell yeah so for everyone who was just chilling at the house and stuff like that like you don't realize the type of like pressure that was put upon you like in my workforce 50 percent of people quit yeah. when the pandemic hit yeah and so i went to have to do like manual label do the robotics do everything and then my schedule went from 3 a.m. in the morning, it was like 3 a.m. to like 9, 10 a.m. to like midnight to noon, mm. like 12 hour days. Yeah. And it was, it was ridiculous. Now, and you, were you salary or were you like hourly? Salary. So like there was no extra. Was Ooh. Like, this is just what it is. It was just more like 
the more people quit, the more people let you down, mm -hmm. the more pressure it got put upon me because the project had to succeed. Got you. So you went from nuclear um, energy, engineering, sorry, nuclear engineering, and then you said you had post-education in... I said, um, so when I graduated, I was in solar. Solar, and then you went into robotics. What was the what was the job in robotics? Like, tell us what your role was. Um, so I did a lot of things. So I did a, uh, I created robotic arms. I created like automated systems that uh, sorted out different things, did different tasks. Um, let me see, creating machines that could like work around. So pretty much, when I was transitioning, a lot of buildings, a lot of hubs, a lot of factories, I was taking. I think I was taking people's jobs when I was requiring that like a lot of manual labor to be shifted over to automated, automated. behavior mm. um, and then trying to train people to now deal with the automated. So I was one of those people who technically was taking jobs because it was engineering and it it is what it is like. So it's, you know, the machines I created, they would take the row of 10 people and maybe turn it into five. Mm. But then now those five people have to be technical savvy. So I tell people like, you know, manual jobs are going away. Yeah. So it's like you need to get into technology, which the newer generation is in the technology. Mm -hmm. it's, manual jobs are going away. So people like um, I remember Andrew Yang, Yang when he was running for president, he was like, people were blaming Mexicans for taking jobs. Like, no, it was automation. Automation is mm -hmm. what's taking jobs. Mm -hmm. And it, it is. I was an engineer who was automating like the manual labor people. They did not like me because they knew I was coming in to like create systems that were going to. And it was like, I got it. Yeah, I never yelled at them or was mad at them. It's like it's, that's it is what it is. Absolutely. Did how how did that feel? So you started your career in um, nuclear engineering because you have this save the world complex, and then you find yourself in the precipice of kind of doing the opposite of what you want to do in terms of helping people. So how did it feel in that moment? Was that one of the reasons that you decided to leave your role? Yes. Um, so I had to that same uh, high school professor. He was an engineer and before he became um, a physics professor. And the reason that he left is because he said engineering is the ult ultimate ethics question. Because mm. you have to think about engineering. You don't necessarily decide what you engineer and what it's going to be used for. Mm -hmm. You just make this. So like the same, like an engineer had to create um, the atomic bomb that killed millions of people. Facts. Um, but engineers also create our cell phones that make us be able to talk and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But it's, you don't necessarily be like, hey, I create this thing and somebody else can use that thing and weaponize it. Right. So it's like ultimate ethics. So That's big. So I'm, I'm really resonating with your story because, um, so I would say I, I, I'm similar to you in the sense that I, I have a save the world complex and I'm through my coaching, I think of practical ways to actually do that. Um, and I don't necessarily feel like I had a negative impact on humanity, but I didn't feel like I was having an impact at all. So when I'm listening to your story, it's like you have this desire to help humanity, right? You recognize your role in it. And you're, I'm, I'm kind of thinking you're fortunate to even have had that engineering background. So how does it feel to have that balance of both, you know, the ability to con have the connectivity between people and then also the power to create things that are powerful enough to hurt people. Mm, how does it feel to have that balance? Um, feels like a lot of power, a lot of weight on your shoulders. Because mm -hmm. um, it's like when you're trying to, when you're trying to help people and stuff like that, it's oftentimes for our own worst enemies. Mm. People are usually in their own way. And so mm. but at the same time, it's like, who am I to tell you that you're in your own way? 
it's like I'm not, I'm not that person to be able to like be like I don't necessarily know what it is I know I want to help people but like how can I help you without it seeming like I know what's best for you so that's always like this power struggle at least me personally is like you know because I am a helper I'm like yeah people ugh, people will tell you that it's like hey Enoch help me is like I'm gonna go out of my way to help you you know even if it hurts myself sometimes mm. and stuff like that but then it's like I, I like to allow people to ask me because I know I'm not just gonna or at least I try not to just be like, hey, I can help you. This and that, like, ask me for help and then we can see what it is. Because I don't want you to think, like, I know best. I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I, none, I, of, I, none of us do. Mm-mm. I don't I don't know. I just, like, how do you do this? I don't know. Mm. I wake up in the morning and I drink water. That's that's all I can tell you. That's my, my secret, water. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that uh, you probably get asked about a lot is how did you do it? How did you leave corporate? And then how did you, like make a life for yourself yes that is the number one question i get asked because people think i was an overnight success people mm-hmm. think um people because from the outside looking in i was like i was just engineering and then suddenly i just had a, i had businesses mm-hmm. and they were just fluctuating and it was just it looked well and i was always shooting and i was on sets with all these people who society perceives as being amazing and all this kind of stuff and it was like how, how did it just go from it was like no people when i First of all, when I got into corporate America, I knew I didn't want to be in corporate America for my entire life. Mm-hmm. So that was 2015 when I got into corporate America. I made a five-year plan. You did. I made a five-year plan that I was going to get out because to me, I knew I wasn't going to be able to help humanity being in corporate America and for what I wanted to do. You know, anyone who's in corporate America and they're doing what they need to do, you might feel but I knew I wasn't going to be helping people. So I made a five-year plan. I said I had to get out in five years. And so I always was constantly working on my side businesses and I was constantly like preparing systems and processes for when that time came and COVID happened. And then it was like, I got something, I was like, I, I need to get out of this. And so I didn't end up leaving my corporate America job until October 30th of last year. Okay. So, um, but I tell people that I started, like there was a time where in, what was it? End of June, like I knew like, I knew I, I knew I was a good shooter. I knew I was a good photographer, videographer. I knew I could tell stories. I had made some things, some slight films that people had really enjoyed, and I knew I could do it. But it's like most people don't want. They want to see what clients that you work with, what things of this nature. So I went out from like from March to June just trying to get videography, photography jobs. Yes. Like applying all the time. Then I ended up getting a job with a pretty um, up echelon client, in which I met my business partner. But I was still working, so I was working that job. And that was a full-time job with my full-time job. Right. So I was going to my engineering job pretty much midnight to noon. Okay. Maybe 11. Sometimes I try to get off and, you know, try to, like, I'll be taking phone. It's funny. I'll be taking phone calls. I'm driving to my other job. And uh, sometimes I'll be taking phone calls with the engineering job as I was doing the other job. And then I'm working that job till like, 8 p.m. So wow. you're looking like. 12 to noon. And then noon mm-hmm. to, to eight. So you're looking at like four, and I did that for like five months. And four hours of sleep, four, if yeah, that. If that. And I'm still making films. Mm-hmm. I'm still turning around and doing all this stuff. And then on top of that, what I'm doing is about on Instagram, I'm finding like 10 like clients a day and I'm like reaching out to them. You're proving your concept. You're proving the fact that you can do this. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to do I yeah. wanted out of corporate America. It's yeah. Like I knew I wanted that. So I tell people it's like, it's a hard journey. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's hard. You, it's a, it really becomes how much do you want out of corporate America? Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's not for everybody. It's not like I said, I would not recommend getting far asleep to anybody, but I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I, I knew the skills I had to gain. 
And so yeah. by the time October 30th led, like it had got to the point, I was like, this internet people, they corporate America started talking to me crazy. And I was like, listen, I I make just as much money at this point as I'm making on this job. Like I have the liberty to be able to leave. When you want to. I got to come back to this entrepreneurship isn't for everybody conversation. Because what you did, most strategic way to create an exit strategy and pull the trigger. So I believe that we can all do that for ourselves. But, and I recognize that, you know, everybody may be... When, you say, when we say entrepreneurship is not for everybody, I believe freedom is for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if freedom is for everybody, that means everybody deserves to have a shot at entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, the journey, the trek might be a little difficult to get through those, those woods, you know what I mean? To find the houses that are safe and to sneak in the middle of the night when you need to and then finally get across the border and get to wherever you need to go. But when you get over there, it's worth it. You know what I mean? I know some people don't recognize that they, they, they are not free, but I do believe that entrepreneurship is that thing for them. And so it was something that else that you said that was, it kind of sat with me, which was like, you don't necessarily, you, you help people when they ask for help, right? I feel like I'm in a space where I'm like, hey, would you like some help? Mm. So I kind of feel like when you say that, I'm more, I would prefer to wave a flag and say, hey, recognize the signs versus like sit back and be like, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Because I think, I think it is for everybody. I think everybody's journey could take five years. Somebody could take five years, but somebody could take six months. So I say all that to say, I'm curious about these side hustles. First of all, you're like, I got five years to get up out of here. I need to create a plan. We're creating an exit strategy, and the exit strategy is in the making. What was the first thing that you decided to get into? Ooh, uh, God, you said so many things in there. There's so many, like... Feel free. Um, okay, so... Take it. Do you think every... So freedom, I do believe freedom is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you believe everyone wants to be free? Freedom is for everybody, but do I believe everybody wants to be free? I think uh, some people have learned how to navigate the the unfree life. And so since they do it so well, it's safer and it's comfortable there. And I don't want to make, I'm not here to make people uncomfortable, but for the people who are like, yo, there's something else out here. I don't know about this this little not free situation. Well, so, okay. So I, was, I had a conversation with my sister. She has a pet rabbit. Mm-hmm. And um, the rabbit and stuff like that, she was looking at rabbit because she lets it out probably like twice, three times a week. And um, she was like feeling sad about the rabbit. Mm. And she was like, oh, she wished she could be outside and play. And I was like, well, so here's the thing. The rabbit, you feed her. She didn't ever have to worry about food. You give her water. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to worry about water. She didn't have to worry about being outside and getting picked up by a hawk. Anything like that. She's sacrificing her being a run and frolic free yeah. for that. So she's sacrificing freedom for security. That's always, that's really the philosophical argument. Yeah. Because Again, at the end of the day, like all my clients right now could be like, hey, we don't want to work with you anymore. I lose all my financial security at that point. Yeah. Whereas, you know, my engineering job, no matter what, if I got called in sick, this and that, like I was going to get that paycheck. Yeah. Had my 401k, had my health benefits, everything. Life is, you know, to a certain degree, you're secure. Right. Life feels really good. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very, very. 
interesting argument. I agree. That's why I say the first step in entrepreneurship for me is to establish what your vision is. Because when you have a vision, your vision outweighs security. And your vision is what keeps you steady when it's not stable. So the first step that I always talk about is have a vision, like what it is that you want to do. You talk about wanting to save people. And then you also said that you knew in corporate you weren't going to be able to help people the way that you wanted to. So what was your vision? What did you, and even if you didn't know what it was, what did it feel like? I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got ourselves, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. Now, the second thing that I really, really benefited from was the revenue, revenue generating activity activities was not necessarily a thing before 2021. Now I had my LLC, I had my website, I had a few clients here and there, but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with, Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us. You can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. So one of the gifts I was to have all of you blessed with is being able to express myself. Hmm. So um, while I am super logical, super mathematical, engineering, I've always been able to write, tell the story, um, really get at telling the story. And so I've always liked writing things, whether it's poetry or short stories, all this kind of stuff. Um, in college, I got into script writing, being able to tell a story. And it, it came out of my engineering. I'm a problem solver. So um, I'm pretty, I'm unapologetically black. And I just remember being uh, in college around 2011, 2000. 12, and if anybody can remember what movies were like for black people in that time, it was just, they, to me, they were so uh, disingenuous. Mm. And so I was like, you see the man wake up, he ain't got no do-rag on, you know, the girl wake up and she doesn't have, you know, her bonnet on, you, you know how this goes. Mm. And it's just like, it doesn't feel like our culture is being represented. So I would always complain about that. And I had an ex-girlfriend at the time, um, and she just said, you know, you're so sick of it, do something about it. Excuse me. Yeah. She told me what it was, and it literally changed my life. And I learned how to like write scripts from there. And I was like, oh, it's a formula. I'm an engineer. Scripts very formulated. Movies very formulated. Television shows very formulated. Um, I'm rarely surprised by any film I watch now because it's it's a formula to it. Yeah. It's a rise. It's climax. There's a way you're supposed to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's the first big thing. So like using that gift to write and tell the vision because the problem I was trying to solve was I wanted our culture to be represented you know, with this essence, the, the flavor, the everything. We're so not a monolith. And I really wanted to tell that story. So I started really cultivating my writing skills. So for like, when I got into corporate, corporate, corporate America, like I'm writing scripts as like, I'm really honing in on the price. I'm sending it to my friends. I'm really trying to like, that was my first big step. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, hey, I'm just gonna write scripts. And then I have friends who like shooters and I have friends who are directors. And I know some people edit. I was like, oh, they're going to, you know, shoot my stuff and stuff like that. And I was disappointed by people. 
maybe very much so um reached out to some people who you know i consider friends okay thinking that they would you know help me out and stuff like that and they have their own lives okay so they didn't so then i was like well you know what what's stopping me from being able to do this yeah now what i didn't know at the time is that i had already in life been given skills that i didn't know um when i was 12 years old i asked for a camera for christmas so i like was always taking photos at school function i was like a part of yearbook i had always like be recording videos just like just because yeah so i realized oh i already kind of knew some things so then you know you go to youtube university and you start learning some more things yes and then it became why can't i shoot this why can't I? okay you engineer let's let's go you know buy a camera so then i started buying the cameras so then then people started seeing me shoot and they were like oh you know i have some ideas and then it became more okay so like now let me learn how to edit and then as i started putting that stuff in the atmosphere i started finding the people um, so like I found a mentor, uh, Eugene Bush. I will always give him shout out. Like he taught me how to edit. Mm, was he, it, was it a free mentorship? I just had was, to ask. Well, I became a part of his, uh, he was doing the writer's room with his wife, Maggie Bush. Also one of my greatest, uh, inspirations for writing. Um, lovely couple, really great. You know, they really taught me a lot. And, um, he taught me how to shoot and edit a lot of stuff. Like, so just watching him and really editing, like that was the key thing. I was like, then it became more like, I don't necessarily like i want people to be a part of it but i don't need people to be a part of it mm. so it's like at the end of the day the, sh- the train can keep moving if i have to be pushing it by myself yeah so then but then when i started pushing it by myself then yeah. people came to help i already know where you're <laughs> going with this i do that's why i want to go back as as corporate americans one of the resources that i feel like is untapped especially if we want to go into entrepreneurship or if we just have the inkling of wanting to do more because i feel like that's where we are in your journey we're at a place where you have a problem and you figure out, okay, how do I fix it? How do I solve it? All right, let me pick up some some skills and let me start doing some things. Let me start exercising this, this um, skill set that I have. One of the things that I think the what's easily accessible in um, corporate is people. You can put time on somebody's calendar. You can literally just pick, some, pick someone's brain, right? The concept of picking someone's brain is so easily used in corporate but when you go into entrepreneurship it's not as easy to get free advice much less helpful advice for your specific journey because you may be asking someone who will potentially be your competitor one day but they're like why would i want to help you so did you ever come to terms with the fact that you know you said no they have their own lives you said you were a bit disappointed mm-hmm. oh. <sighs> I, I would say that, you know, I don't hold any grudges against like I don't know what they were going through and stuff like that. So I never try to assume it. I just it, it made me better. I'm in this journey now. So it's like I was able to learn that I don't have to like depend upon certain people for anything anymore. Yeah. So I'm happy with it. But um I don't I try to not be that. Yeah. Because I knew how it made me feel. So like when people do come to me with their ideas, I try and again, sometimes it's at my own um disservice, but I try to say yes more than I say. Because I know what no's feel like. I was told no so many times. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the amount of scripts I sent in to people and they were like, no, no, no. I can't tell you the amount of writings I sent to people and they were like, no, no, no. I can't tell you the amount of contests I've entered and they've been like, no, no, no. One of the big things that I always would give Eugene and Maggie Bush credit for is they were my first yes. And that didn't, again, I told you. So 2015 is when I started this journey. I didn't get that yes from Maggie and Eugene until the beginning of 2019. It took four years for me to get a yes. Yeah. But the thing is, for those first four years, I was saying yes to myself. And that's all I needed. Boom. You were laying the foundation. Saying yes to yourself is such a mindset shift. 
So what were you doing? What would it, what did life look like for you before you made that transition? You had a girlfriend. You were watching movies, so you probably had more time. I don't watch as much TV as I used to, so <laughs> unless it's like my stuff. So, like, what was life? What did life look like for you? And like, can you help us understand what it feels like in the way you're an engineer? So I feel like the way I'm breaking this question down, you could maybe answer it this way. But like, you're on the journey of saying yes to yourself. What did year one look like versus year three versus year four of choosing yourself? So it gets progressively easier and harder at the same time. Mm. So year one, because you have that security, it's it really is just a hobby. It is just a, okay, like I'm not gonna say I went home every single day and wrote. I'm not gonna, I don't try to present myself with this perfect person. Like, oh, I was doing this and that. It was, I would write when I feel like it. Um, my job as a robotics engineer, I was traveling a lot. Like I would be in Portland, I'd be in Philly, I'd be in Seattle and stuff like that. So I would write on planes sometimes, or I would write when I'm in a hotel room, or I would just go out and enjoy the city. And it was like, it felt like I could write when I wanted to. Now, granted, I would get, sometimes I would get a script and it would be like, I'm up all night writing it and taking those steps and stuff like that. Um, but then versus year three, year three, it was like, I would, I would say year three is the hardest. Because year three, again, nobody said yes to you. You, you have stuff now though. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning, you didn't have stuff. Mm-hmm. You have stuff that you know you believe in it and you know it's good, but you can't get it in the right hands. And you get all these no's, you get told that you're not good enough and you get told all these stuff. So it's like, it takes, you have to break through that wall. You have to believe and you have to be your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. You have to just keep telling yourself, yes, I am. Yes, I didn't put these three years in for anything. And I would tell, I would say that's where 99% of people quit. Mm-hmm. Is that year three. It's just, it's so hard because you just don't have any validation but your own. Like, I remember at the time, like, my mom wasn't even reading my stuff. Like, I was like, hey, mom, like, my mom, like, what <laughs> Yeah. Um, and now my mom reads my stuff. Mm. Like I said, but she's seen the proof in the pudding as well. Um, but it's just like, again, she's busy too. She's raising other kids. I have a little sister and stuff like that, you know, but you're looking for that validation and you're just not getting it in any sense of the word. So it's really hard um, just to be there. And then year five, it's like, you have to take that leap. You got, and that's hard. It's like now you might, you're making money, people, you're getting yeses, you're getting this and that, you set up systems, people believe in you, like now people are like, oh man, you're depending upon people like, are you going to leave corporate America? Yeah. Are you going to take that leap to where it's like, now it's on me. Yeah. Like rise and fall, it's on me. Yeah. There is no more security blanket. There is no more this and that, it's on me. And that is each of those obstacles, year one versus year three versus year five presents its own set of challenges, mm. but its own set of new freedom. So I would say maybe, maybe the most fun is year one because you're just doing it. You're just doing what you want to do, and it's just ah, but it's like you still have that life security. Mm-hmm. Um, year three, I look back now, and I would say that was the most important for my my growth process. Like now, mentally and stuff like that, having gone through that and and really just battled all the no's. Mm-hmm. Like when things are not going as well for me in year five, it's like ah, you know. It's like I, I've, I've dealt with this enemy before. Mm. So it's like, I know I know what your tactics are. Like, I can battle you and I know I can win because I've seen proof that I've, I've beat it before. And then year five, it's just, it's great to have, you know, it's great when you see the final product. It's great when you see people like looking at you and like, oh, well, we can do this. We, we did, like, and they believe in it. You see a team around people, you see that smile on your face. Yeah. You know, giving interviews like you're an expert. Like, Guys, I don't know. What I'm <laughs> you're I'm an so- expert on your life don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, you know? It's yeah. I mean that wholeheartedly. You are an expert in your life. And there's so many people 
you, because you know every step it took for you to get to where you're going, you're an expert on your journey, right? And so you have the map to your level of success. Whatever somebody can learn about this road here is what somebody can learn. And so you are the expert. Like you literally are. So, um, and it's, it's really interesting. So five years, you had a five-year plan. Um, after five years, you're, you're making money. People believe in you. You said, it's time to take the leap. And I so want to dig into that leap. But in your five-year plan, was it to be an entrepreneur? Was it, did you have a, um, a way of like making money? Like, did you think of a, of a, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to make money or like how, what was, what were the components of your exit strategy? Mm, okay. So my five-year plan was I knew I wanted to be, I knew I wouldn't have my own. So yes, it's entrepreneurship. I wouldn't have, five years ago, I wouldn't have told you it would be entrepreneurship, but I knew I wanted my own. I knew I wanted my own business, my mm-hmm. own, some of that. I just never, I didn't think about it that mm-hmm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say maybe going back a little bit is the hardest might be year four. Because year four for me, it's like I have been at my job for a good, but I'm starting to get like promotion talk and mm. all that kind of stuff. Like, that money didn't start coming in. <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> listen. So, yeah. Um, it's like, I'll never forget year four because again, I was traveling. It, it was, it was, when it was good, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, like, I mean, I saw like the corporate ladder rides. I was like, man, I'm not that far away from like, you know, CEO. Like, you know, a good solid 15 years. Like, it's it's very much so possible. It's like, that's not that. You know, so it's like you started, and then I started looking at this. I'm looking at CEO salary. I'm starting to see like mm-hmm. this. And you you see all the benefits of it. And it was like, ah, do I want it? You know, why can't it be five year plan? Why can't it be a 10 year plan? Why did what, mm, You start compromising a little bit in your mind. In my mind, I started compromising. Really, for me, COVID was a blessing. Ooh. For me, it was because when everyone quit, I saw how much value I gave the company and how little they valued me. Like, I realized that not as many people could do what I was doing. Like, not as many people were the type of employee that I was. Because this same thing I'm telling you about my own business, that's the same type of employee I was for corporate America. Mm-hmm. And I still saw how they literally, how they talked to me and how they demeaned me and how, like, they took advantage of me and how, like, they didn't care anything about me. They didn't care about my life. They didn't care about my structures. And they, they had told me, they literally got mad at me for not answering the phone at 8 p.m. on a Saturday. Saturday, guys. 8 p.m. on <laughs> Saturday. Um, now, granted, I will answer it for my client, for my selective clients, 8 p.m. on a Saturday when I want to now. But it's like, you're crazy if you think I'm going to answer the phone. If you expect me to answer the phone at 8 p.m. on a Saturday. Right. You know, if I call a friend at 8 p.m. on a Saturday, if I call my best friend at 8 p.m. on a Saturday, I don't necessarily expect you to answer. Right. So it's just like. <sighs> the, the tables have turned. The tables have turned. But that yeah. leap, you were saying about that. Yes, I got to get into the leap. So there, this is the build up here because like. After you've done all your work, right? You've explored your skill sets. You've explored your hobbies. You're starting to make money doing it, right? Now you see that there is a stream of income available for you. You're still at a place where like, okay, I'm, I'm finding a little bit of success here, but the promotion is on the other side. So at this point, you said like, okay, now it's just about a, a matter of believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. What were the talks that you had with yourself during that time? Honestly, I would say I had a great support system. It wasn't necessarily the talks I had with myself. It was the mm. talks I had with the people who I cared about the most. Mm. So it's like having to talk to my mom, having to talk to my best friends, the people who literally have been there 
from the day one of the journey. They've mm. seen they've seen all of it. So having their support to be like, hey, you can do it, meant the world to me. Mm. Um, and then it's just really, it's just, I would say like, um, I do think fear plays a great role in it. Um, I think we have a negative connotation of fear, but I feel like fear is that thing that allows you to push further. Um, so I feel like you're supposed to overcome fear. Like you're supposed to like, you know, but fear needs to be there. Yes. Fear needs to be there because it drives you to work harder. Fear is what made me able to get four hours of sleep and push myself. So, because I was afraid of so much of of not being good enough. So it's like, just being like, looking fear in his face and just being, that's the leap in my opinion. Looking fear in the face and be like, no, I'm not gonna let you stop me. Like, you can either move out of the way, but I'm gonna keep moving forward. Mm. I'm either moving through you or I'm gonna move you around you. Mm. But fear, are you gonna move out of the way? Fear never moves out of the way. So you have to move through it. Mm. So that leap is hard. Yeah. That leap is, you know, and so I get when people like, they don't want to make the leap. They want to stay in their comfortable lives. I get it. Yeah. I'm not telling people that you need to be an entrepreneur. It's, this is a hard journey. Yeah. It's super hard. You're going to sacrifice a lot, mm. like so much. So people like, I know right now, especially with COVID, everybody's like, oh, get your own. Everyone started their own business in COVID. Mm. It was like, yes. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. What's it called? Uh, what? What's like 95% of businesses when they start out fail? They're three, I told you, the three year mark. Yeah. That's when it gets hard. Yeah. So, like, yeah. My mind just went to a, a different, it's like, yes, you know, there was a great rush from the South to the North and everybody didn't make it to the North. I'm, I'm sure those numbers and those statistics, I, it would actually, that would actually be an interesting um, study. I might actually put that data together to look at what the numbers look like for this 2020 rush to entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and like the rush mm-hmm. to the migration. See how many like. Because you're going to, what people are going to notice is like in 2025, 2030, mm-hmm. you're going to see the next Ubers, Teslas, all that stuff is going to be built out of this. Yes. So greatest thing about tragedy, tragedy is that when after the ashes, things rise. Yeah. So like, again, Tesla, Uber, like uh, Lyft, all those things came out of 2008 economic, you know, depression. Yeah. So you're going to see like the next rise of all these great businesses are going to come from pandemic absolutely absolutely these great ideas Mm -hmm. so um you're at the place where you're making a leap and you're both in corporate and you are successful in shooting right what was it like to turn in your two weeks notice Ooh, so i love this story i love this because i did it (laughs) i did it oh man uh it was you know i call it like my scarface moment Mm. it's that moment in the film where it's like it's the pursuit of happiness where he claps it's the it was it was i felt I felt like an OG in this moment. Um, so again, it was that conversation, how I told you they got mad at me for not answering my phone at 8 p.m. They had, again, they had started pushing my, like my hours went from, it started out, I had to be here at 4 a.m. to being here at 3 a.m. to being here at 2 a.m. to mm. being here at 1 a.m. to being here at noon. And then it got to the point, hey, we need you at 11.30. I'm like, this is the same day pretty much. So it's like, I'm working, like, when are their boundaries set? And like, I'm trying to set boundaries and they don't want to hear me at all. And so it's like, and then I'm seeing other of my counterparts, they're not doing, but they, they know they can depend upon me. And so they're just putting more on me. I'm like, no, put more. I'm, I'm, some of these people are making more than me. And so literally as I'm like fighting back and I'm having these conversations and they, they're lying to me now too. They're being deceptive. They've told me all these things. They've fed me these false promises and stuff mm. like that. And this is like, I'm at a certain, I'm like, yo, listen, like, I'm just, I'm not, I know what I want to do now. 
And I got to a point where I saw that I can be successful. I'm like, y'all don't have this leverage over me. And I'm like, you're not going to talk to me like this. And I became more of the combative employee. And so, so mm. on a Thursday, they, they ambushed me. So um, they ambushed me. At, they put, again, at 1 p.m., have been there since like in midnight. They put on my calendar three of my bosses, a meeting, 15 minutes before it. It just pops up. Mm. All three of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been working 13 hours. Y'all want to have this meeting? They literally told me, quote unquote, I was going to fall in line. Ooh. Okay. Told me I was going to fall in line. And I said, and they were like, do you understand? I said, okay. Next morning, showed up at 11.30, worked a perfect shift. This and that did everything perfect. They they were smiling. So smiling. Uh, when it time came time for me to get off, I walked up to my boss, handed him my corporate laptop, corporate credit card, my corporate cell phone, and I said, this is my last day, and walked out. No two with notice. No anything. No two with notice. No anything. Ooh. I am not better than Okay, what were their rea- what was their reaction? So within uh, thirty minutes, let me see. My boss, his boss, his boss gave me a call. Had a whole hour and thirty minute conversation when he tried to convince me. That. Really? What was their tone? He was like, "Oh, this is mad," you know, like so, like apologetic. and I was like, "I've been trying to tell you guys about these people." Like I, like I'm over here telling them I was like, "This has happened, this and that," because like. I had spoken to him like a few times and um, he was so proud about the project because we're doing like this. I was pretty much for my company building the robotics like program or at least an essential standard for it. And um, I had told him about it and I had told him about how like, the upper management lying to me and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And he's heard these complaints and it was like, at this point it's like, I just felt like I wasn't heard. And so he was trying to convince me like, you can move to another department. And I'm just like, I know how it goes. All these people and their friends the same bosses I have, they're friends with the other bosses. Yeah. So I know I'm gonna be that same combative employee, and it's just this ain't this ain't it for me anymore. Mm. It's like I've outgrown that. It's like it's not even like you know people say it's above me now. No, it's below me at this point. So why take an hour to have that conversation? What was it like? You were just like no, and they were like please, 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 yeah. no, please, please, please. It was like you know I know this person. I can move you over to this department, and I'm just like I know that person too. I know that this like I just and it's. It's like I like the guy who's having a conversation. Like, got it. You didn't want to be too like, yeah. nah. This is what like, it is. If I am I working directly <clears throat> for you, like, were you just, okay? No, because at that point I gotta skip two levels of. I mean, if you want to give me a two ways promotion, like, I literally that was my. I was like, you would have considered it. I mean, I would have. I wouldn't just been like, so no, because you know, two ways promotion might have been you know doubling your salary. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank God they yeah. did not double your salary. You know. But then also then I promised they would have said no. Because if you can just double my salary that quick. You could have did it before. You could have did it before. So what what are we doing? Yeah. Mm. Did you miss anyone when you left on your team? Yeah. I still I saw I'm friends with them. Like yeah. all the people like again, I'm a helper, so like I helped out so many people, I trained so many people and like I still taught them. So I have like some really great friends. Fine. So like even like uh they were here, they knew I'm shooting out shot for them for certain things. Um like actually the first person I ever like shot for in terms of like we're actually doing a show we're doing this and that like was one of my uh was one of my co-workers his wife she had a cooking show really mm-hmm. so i shot like the cooking show and i started like her youtube and everything like that nice i talk about this all the time i say that the two people the two things that you really need to have when you're building your exit strategy information and people mm. 
the people part is really important though, because managing those relationships, it's really great to hear that you were able to leverage them as clients. Now, do in the film industry, do you guys have this conversation about like um, building an avatar or how did you decide what your niche was going to be in the film space? Ooh, okay, so mm, this is where me and my team have a lot of conversations. I'm not necessarily like a niche person. Mm. I'm like so I'm a photographer, videographer, filmmaker. And so they'd be like, oh, well, what genres do you like to make? I like all genres of film. I like action films. I like horror films. I like comedies. I like romance. Um, I like taking photos. I like doing videos. Like, what kind of videos? I like telling stories. Mm. So that's my biggest thing. Like, if the story is interesting, I want to tell it. So I am selective with my clients. Like I just won't, at this point, I just won't shoot anything. Like money is not all money is good money. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I like to be interested in the story. So um, I got hit up to do an underwater photography shoot and stuff like that. Ooh, you gotta it. take that. I've never done one before. So yeah. I was like, all right, let's do it. Mm -hmm. So um, I mean, you can't just be like, sorry, that's not my niche. I don't do underwater. <laughs> you gotta do it. But so, but a lot of people, you that's not my my niche so it's like they might try to go with somebody and it's like well i have the equipment to be able to do it yeah and stuff like that so why not try it believe in myself take another leap of faith absolutely so um whereas you know some of my marketing team might be like hey we need to you know niche this down a little bit more yeah um and i do a little bit niche but it's just like i like to like i like to do um what i like to do so i like to tell the stories i like to tell so I don't want to, it, to me, it, feel, it does feel limiting sometimes, even though I know that like, that most people like, if you do niche, you can charge more for your prices. You can do that kind of stuff. So if I just say, hey, I only shoot comedies and stuff like that, like I'm the comedy expert is mm -hmm. what I've become, then I can like charge for being that. But it's like, ah, if I, then I'll be neglecting that I like to tell horror stories. Mm. So I do have a little Jordan Peele in me. I got a little Kevin Hart in me. I got a little bit of, you know, The Rock in me. I like all of those kind of films. Mm. So. Your journey sounds uh, less about business, you know, and more about self-actualization and self-fulfillment. Because when I hear your story, you're piecing together from, from childhood, you're piecing together skills that you've developed, you know, training that you've received, and a problem that I have that has nothing to do with my, my, my formal training. And then you're connecting, oh, but wait, I have a camera from when I was 12, and I have always liked this thing. And then you're like, okay, I want to tell stories. And you're literally just kind of exploring yourself through your new, your new um, endeavor. And so now, if, if, if there are entrepreneurs out there who don't um, niche down, but your niche, to me, sounds like it's in the storytelling. Mm. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. Because if you have a client who has a storyline, then you can have the creative direction to help them understand how to bring a story to life. But perhaps if it's a commercial and they want to know what's going to drive the most dollars and, and you would have to answer this question for me, would you prefer to have a conversation about like the storyline and the development of a piece that is 
intrinsically valuable to your client or like a business deliverable where it's like, this has to have this type of conversion. We need to reach this audience. Like which conversation do you prefer? I would prefer the first one, the former. Um, the reason that I, I would prefer the former is because, so again, the businesses I work with, I believe in the businesses. Mm -hmm. So I, for the most, I would say 95% of my clientele, I use their products or whatever it is that I shoot for them. So mm -hmm. I believe in it. Like I'm not just shooting it just for dollars. I'm shooting like, no, it's good. Like, so I shoot for the people I do my mirror bomb with. I shoot for this cat that I have on. Like I shoot for like a lot of the, if, if I can shoot for like, I want my entire clothing set would be shot for things I, that I shoot on. Um, so I believe in the actual product. Mm. So for me, when I'm telling that story and I'm saying this, like I get to know, I get to feel like I'm a part of the brand. I get to be a part of the story. I get to like get to know the person. I get to really get their essence. Yeah. So when I'm talking to the, you know, the CEO, whoever it is, I'm like, I'm feeling out their essence. That's a, and when you, to me, when you do it for conversions, I think that's when it almost like becomes like social media culture. Are you doing it for the likes? Or are you doing it for just to put out like for yourself? Impact. The impact. Like, um, and one of the things that I, I learned is that like when I looked, so I have, I have a podcast as well. We kind of talked about it beforehand. Mm -hmm. And um, my podcast, when I put that stuff, it gets the least amount of engagement. First of all, what's the podcast? Breaking and Entering the Podcast. Thank you. Um, coming back with season three pretty soon. Um, but uh, it gets the least amount of engagement. Like, you know, my videos usually do really well. Like my films do super well. But the podcast gets the least amount of engagement. So it's like, if I just looked at the numbers, I would get that... You know the podcast and you know, if i'm going to stop doing anything to be the podcast however when i talk to clients and why they chose me the number one reason why they chose me is that oh because i watched your podcast or like oh i saw your podcast snippet oh i like what you said on this podcast my podcast legitimizes me my podcast makes me more than just a shooter it makes my voice heard and it's like wow i want to work with this person mm. i would like i like what he's saying and it's like but the numbers would tell you something completely different so I tell people numbers like all the time. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, I can manipulate any type of number. Like if I want a client, I can have a failed like conversion rate from a commercial I made for you. And I can literally manipulate those numbers and convince you if I wanted to that it was successful or this is what we need to do. Or this is the reason this and that. Like statistics. Oh, you ever want to meet a liar? Meet a statistician. Mm. They lie all the time about everything. You know? Yeah. Four out of five doctors mm. agree that this isn't that. What about that one doctor? Why or why do they not agree with this? Like, you know, so numbers yeah. can always be manipulated. Whereas yes. like that feeling that and you can argue that feelings can be manipulated as well, but it's like we get to know each other. You know, I get to find your vibe, you get to find my vibe, and like do our vibes mesh. Yeah. And to me, when our vibes mesh, like like all my repeat clients and stuff like that, like they are the best. Like our vibes just mesh. We just get each other. Yeah. You know, they just and that's how I've been able to build this sustainable business, is that like I work with brands that I believe in. Mm. When would you say you felt maybe relief or a like um, a, a moment of exhale in this journey? My birthday. When was your so birthday? Okay. My birthday is April nineteenth, um, and I'm I'm for my birthday like I'm I'm big into birthdays, but I'm more so like it's by myself or it's by my family. Like I'm very like keep it low key. So this year was the first year that like I. They were like, let's celebrate, let's do like a whole thing and let's throw like a whole party and like all this kind of stuff. I was like, okay, why not? Never really like just done that. And um, for me, it's like, on my birthday, I was taking pictures. Like, cause I love doing it. And so like, that's just the type of person I am. It's like, I'm gonna serve people. I'm, I'm a server at heart. 
and all the people around me served me like they literally gave me my flowers like literally people like gave speeches and everything like that and i had to have a moment that like in everyone's speech everyone said in a personalized way the same thing about me so it's like i realized that i have been the same person to everyone in my life and it was just like it showed me who i was and so i always had that with me so even when like you know my birthday's in april may was like a hard month for me june was a hard month for me like july was not the uh, august was not september is looking like it's going to be like i have a lot on my plate but it's like i remember that moment it's like and that helps propel me forward so when you're talking about like people on the journey and that support and stuff like that it's like i know because i was told no so much and i give so many people that yes i saw what the value of giving people yes was mm. because me giving those yeses would made people be able to like me open up to them me be able to get their vibe they get my vibe and us be able to make some dope things from that and that wouldn't have been created unless I was, you know, gonna give them a yes. So I tell people like, set your boundaries, tell people no and stuff like that when it needs to be, but like, be fearless and say yes from time to time. And you'll be surprised at the amount of dope things that you can have because we want to say no. Because yes, ah, oh, comes with so much. Because oh, I gotta do this, yeah. I gotta do that. I don't have time to do this. It comes with a lot, but when you say yes. Yeses have opened up so many doors for the dopest things in my life. Mm. When you say yes, yeses have, <clears throat> I think about all of the opportunities that come our way, you know, as entrepreneurs, like, oh, here's this new opportunity. Here's this, this training, you know, here's this um, new way to, to like, well, I feel like this new way to make money will be less appealing to you. But here's this new training on this new skill set or here's this um, event that you can go to when you're like, oh, I have to do all this work. How do you prioritize your yeses? It's mm. a great question. Um, I would say like I, I let intuition play its factor and stuff like that. But I am a person who I like to be there. I like to be in my yes. I like to. If I can make it, so again, I'm a planner. So I plan out my days, I plan out my evenings, I try to plan out my weeks, um, I try to plan out my months. And so I know what I have to do. And I do try to work in a lot of stuff. And sometimes doing the training or doing it then or being somewhere, it can seem a little bit, but I always, I'm, I'm in the moment. So if anybody knows me, that's my catchphrase, in the moment. So if I'm there in the event, I'm gonna, in my mind, I need to find out why I'm here at this event. I need to meet that one contact. I need mm. to meet that one person. I need to find that one thing that I was supposed to hear. I'm not, I don't ever believe I'm here on accident. Or if I am here on accident, I'm going to find the purpose in this event. So I've had plenty of times where like a shoot hasn't gone well or an event hasn't been going well and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm not going to allow that to change my my positivity or my spirit or what's going on. I'm going to find why I needed to be here. Yeah. And just, you know, it's rolling with the punches for me. So it's just like, you know, and yes, like I said, yes can turn into a headache. Mm -hmm. You know, people can take advantage because because I say yes, so much people do take advantage of me. That is the downside of saying yes. So I, again, I would tell people take it with a grain of salt. Don't just come out. Oh, Enix says say yes. <laughs> right. Let me call him right after this episode. <laughs> but it does like people do oftentimes take advantage of me, or they don't think of me, and like they think that it's like, oh yeah, we can just have Enix do it, and like mm. you'll be fine. It's just like. Um, but it comes with the good and the bad. But yes, like, you know, I have people who right now, if I call them up and I needed a favor, they're going to move mountains. Yeah. Because I've moved mountains for them. So it's just like, it's pros and cons. It's, it's a balance. Um, and I guess 
that might be the hardest part for any entrepreneur is finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Every balance, like finding the balance between personal and work life. Again, told you my business for the most part is open twenty four seven. I shoot every single day. Yeah, I tell people that literally, if I'm here hanging out with you, I was I was called in to shoot today. I chose you. I chose you. Listen, like I get called yeah. every single day to shoot. Yeah, you know. So it's, it's, you know, but you make choices, you make sacrifices. It's like, what do you want to do? So that's lit. That's lit. I, I'm happy I made the cut. <laughs> she is a planner. She, we've had, we, this is like, what, six weeks in the making? Absolutely. Oh my God. I was like, listen, you know, I don't care who called me today. Like I'm, and I'm, I try to, I try to be a man of my work. Not saying that I always uphold it. So I literally, you, you got on my calendar. I had nothing on my calendar. So if somebody was going to say, I don't care. Right, you know, but even still, you seem like you'd be immaculate with your words in, in terms of communicating to me. Hey, whenever you heard this, I heard this five minutes ago. I got to go. I understand. <laughs> but to me, like to a certain extent, I still probably would have did this over mm-hmm. an Obama interview. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I told you I was going to be here and mm-hmm. this and that. And it's like if Obama called, once or called me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's fact. That's how I see it. It's like, but I mean, I said the other day, it was a post. It wasn't the other day. It was a couple weeks ago, if not months. I am grateful for endless opportunities because we harp on the ones in the past, especially when we become entrepreneurs. Sometimes we harp on the fact that we quit. We're sitting here like, I should have kept that nice job. I'll never get a job like that again. It's like, no, if you had a, if you had a corporate job that paid you $200,000, you can get another one. It's endless. This is like, like... And then the whole thing about like I worked with people, I worked with so many celebrities, and they have been disappointing. You want to mm. be disappointed? Work with somebody who you thought was your hero at one point. Ooh. So it's like to me, it's like these people are are men and women. Yeah. They have flaws, just like the rest of us. Like I don't get hyped up of working with nobody mm-hmm. unless I've worked with you before and it's been dope. Mm-hmm. So like I know the people. Like when an artist calls me, I know who like I want to work. I'm like, oh, I'm because I just been. It's not. It's almost like I want to work with you, not because of who you are, but because of what you bring to like not because of what you bring to the table but because of who you are yeah 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 so you seem like you've been a pretty grounded person and you've been a pretty giving person even through your corporate career um so i'm curious and it sounds like uh, the challenge for you has been learning to say no mm-hmm. i would say what is something that you've learned about yourself over the years that you're like ah that makes sense about myself and you didn't necessarily know it was there mm-hmm. there's something that um, I would say the biggest thing is that I've learned about myself is that I do have. I realized how open and giving I was, and I want to be that. Again, we're going back to the beginning. I save the world complex. Like you know, mm-hmm. I want to be there for people. I want to feel like you know, not saying I want to be everyone's friend, but it can be perceived that I want to be everyone's friend. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a super nice guy. Like I don't get like, you. This is this is since I've met you at moment every single moment. You have always been consistently good vibes this is who i am like, yeah I, i'm just i'm nice i'm calm i'm mellow yeah. if you see me angry somebody can, boo that person then did it mm-hmm. i'm just this is who i am but um with that being said it's like because of that like again people do take advantage of me um so setting those boundaries is hard for me because it's like i want to help people out i want people to feel like they can come to me i want to be a helping hand and stuff like that but you 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 can't just come like now I've, it's almost like terrible but it's like i have to kind of talk my stuff it's like you can't just come over here thinking 
that you you coming to McDonald's like nah this is this is this is a five star buffet okay facts okay like, just because I open the door for you doesn't mean you can come here acting any type of way I'm welcoming you into my home yeah and if you coming in with dirty shoes you can at the exit the same door that you walk through you can walk out of it so it's like that's the boundary I had to say because like nice. you know and it's like because people they like they would disrespect you and it's like I don't I don't take kind of disrespect I gotta listen mm-hmm. I'm, I'm humble very humble. But if we need to turn up, we, we can look at we can look at the accolades I have. You're not just going to talk to me any type of way. Okay. All right now. We, so we got to get into that. To, to put a, a bit of a bow on the saving the world complex, right? Mm-hmm. Had a conversation. No, I was about to say five years ago. 2015 is now six years now? Yeah. Okay. Had a conversation with your girlfriend. It started with a question. Okay, well, if you don't like it so much, why don't you fix it, right? Mm-hmm. What project are you most proud of in terms of impact that you wanted to create? Ooh, what project am I most proud of? That is, hmm. Okay, uh, I can't narrow it down to just a sole project, but I'm gonna do it in three. Um, I have three of them. Uh, one of them's called Black Lives Mattering. I so George Floyd was murdered um, that Monday, and two weeks later, I had a whole film which I encapsulated like what's like to the moments before all these people were murdered. So I picked, chose eight cases, and I made like a whole film, and I did it in two shot. I planned it, shot it, edited, and it's actually the thing that really skyrocketed skyrocketed my trajectory. When I put that out there, like I got so much love. That's landed me my big clients. It lent me a lot of stuff. It like really established me. So that one was, I had never seen so much success so fast. That was like the first time I ever got a lot of success. Mm. Um, the second one I would say would be um, on bending knee. So uh, my friend, he wrote a script and he's my friend, he's my business partner. He's become like my best friend at this point. Stanley Williams, shout out to him. Um, and he literally believed for me to shoot. So it was the first time somebody believed for me to actually like shoot something with mm. and like just take your vision and like trust me. And we shot it and stuff like that. And it was like one of my first things I've ever like really done. So that one really impacted me. And then the last one um, was These Hands. I literally was the star of it. I directed it. I wrote it. I edited it. I did it all, but I allowed to ha- allowed myself to have the team. I had to cope. So Stanley's, he's in that as well. Um, my best friend, we have a podcast with Blair Smith, um, Peggy, who's been on this podcast. She was helping me so much behind the scenes, she helped me with marketing. So it's like, I met so many people who helped me out with that project. And it's, uh, there's so much more. There's Nisha Rogers, there's Leah Masons, there's Samira Johnsons, there's uh, Coruscant, like, they were all like, there's Anthony Williams, like I said, there were a lot of people who helped me out with that project. Mm. And um, just seeing that I could do it all, but having the team, it just was very, encapsulating to just like be like ah so this is this is the moment that it brought me to and people really loved it like people mm-hmm. that was probably like one of my most beloved projects and but all my films have something it's like they're all totally different like i can tell you about entanglement i can tell you about shadows i can tell you about like they all brought something different mm-hmm. to the table and i love all of them mm-hmm. they're all my babies i got you so would you say the one thing that connects them all is a certain tone or a certain uh, storyline or a certain formula in the storyline? Like what, what ties them all together? So what people will tell you about me is that I am a hopeless romantic. So it's always like love. Mm. Right? So these hands is like self-love. 
um, let me see, on bending knees, like traditional, like a man trying to overcome his fear to ask a girl out. So it's always like love is my my biggest thing. So if I'm gonna tell a horror story, I'm gonna tell it. There's gonna be a love story at the center of it. But I'm gonna tell, tell an action film. There's gonna be a love story in it because I'm big on especially it's black man, black woman love because I feel like right now we're fighting so much. Mm. Like I feel like that's a big thing. It's just like black men are hearing black women, black women are hearing black men, and we're just fighting. And we just really need to sit back and listen because everything we're saying has a place, mm. you know. And it's just it's all coming from a place of hurt that was put into us by a system. And stuff like that. And if we can kind of take the step back and realize it's not necessarily on us, but we're the only people who can solve it, like, let's have those conversations and start breaking down these barriers. Because at the end of the day, in this country, we have been all that we've ever had. Like, we can, we, we really have never had any allies. No. We've had, like, <laughs> yeah. like from, it's really, literally, if you go back, it's, we've, we've been in the trenches together this entire time. Fact. So for me, telling that love story is super important. Let's break down those barriers. So wow. that's always going to be a thing you're going to see in all of my films. You're going to see a black man and a black woman loving on each other. Oh. You're going to see that every single time. If you ever see a film that is not, I know, you would never, never see a film that's not going to have that for me. That is beautiful. For that reason and that reason alone, I have to watch your entire portfolio. That would be the TV that I watch of the year um, because I do not watch a lot of TV. But I'm a, I am a hopeless romantic as well, and I love Love Jones. But the only thing I don't like about Love Jones is that it wasn't made in my generation. Like, you know, like we, we don't live that life anymore. But I'm like, I do believe it's attainable. I do believe that level of communication is available. From a technical perspective, so... You've developed this life. Um, the first half of your life was very technical, very engineering, very formulaic, um, uh, very left brain, so to speak, right? Um, in the second part of your process, you bring some of that to your creative side, right? You're developing this new image, this new identity. So I'm curious about your process. Like, how did you develop a process to which you, you create a project that you handle a client. Take me through a process of like creating something with you. I would say that's probably my secret sauce right there. Ooh. Because I'm an engineer. So it's like creatives, you know, are great. I love working with creatives. The creatives are very much so it's on their time. You can't disrupt the creative process, which is true. Get it. Understood. I'm a little bit more logical and it's like, no, we have deadlines. Mm -hmm. We have this and that. Like, yes, you can't disrupt the creative project but you still the show must go on and like sad sadly enough this is going to be my example this is like you know Chadwick Boseman was the ultimate black panther and we lost him he was phenomenal and everything like that is marvel not going to make black panther 2 now because they lost their lead actor no you have to pivot you have to be adaptable mm -hmm. you know you honor him and stuff like that but at the end of the day he will want his legacy he know he built this franchise mm. and he wants it to keep going on so it's like let's honor his legacy mm. so that's to me that's the true logical with the creative process to keep it going in spite of you know tragedy happening where a lot of times creatives just they stop or they like they're gonna it's only it's gonna happen on their timeline and so for me as an engineer it's like no i have a deadline i have this i have these structures i have these processes i have this problem that i need to solve it's a problem it's the project so we got to get this project done you know let's just make it happen there's a way to make it happen we just haven't thought about every single avenue to make it happen mm -hmm. so that's to me like that's why i do so well because i'm very much so like okay project management okay we're here with this and that like you're looking at my day and it's like i'm always like 
the day before, I'm shooting out emails, I'm shooting out text messages, this still on, this and that, like I'm preparing for my next day and I'm super like meticulous and structured in that way. And I'm always like reaching out to other people and making sure like they're leading the project, how are you doing, do you need me for anything? Like this and that and like, I've seen that culture started to like shift over to my team. So mm. now when they know I'm doing something, they're reaching out to me, hey, you need me to do this and that. And it's like, that's the culture I want to create. That's the leader I have always tried to be and become. So, but that comes from my engineering. So I'm a, I'm a left brain person in a right brain space. Mm. A left brain person in a right brain space. So if I'm a client and I want, I have a, I have a project, I have a project that I want to create and I call you. What's the first thing that you ask me in order to qualify me as a client? What's your story? Mm, okay. What's your story? Most, it tells me a lot of you can actually tell me your story. My personal story, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the project. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Tells you a lot. What does it tell you? So, if you can't tell me your personal story, you can't tell me what this project is either. Because mm. why are you doing this project? Mm. So for me, it's like, what, in my opinion, what connects people to a t-shirt or it connects people to a car or whatever the you know the product is that you're trying to sell or whatever you're trying to like get people to see is your personal story like why did so again i'm telling you about i'm a hopeless romantic my films are always going to have that why is it going to have that because i told you i see it in a community it's mm. coming from me so mm. it makes people feel that mm. i'm not going to say i have the best films in the world but when people see my films they feel it because they feel me that's really what people are they're feeling you so when you wear someone's t-shirt you're really feeling them, mm. you know? So what's your story? You can tell me what that story is. Then I know that I can take your story and put it in this project and people are gonna be able to feel you. I like it. Okay, that's the first question. What, how do you, how do you, um, <clears throat> how do you take a, the client from start? Like, you know, first time they've ever done a project before to like the finished product project. Mm. So I ask people like, how involved do you want to be? Because mm. I really can be a run-stop shot. Like I can write it, I can shoot it, I can do all the things. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you want to be here along the way, I'm super happy, like I'm welcome, welcome me to that. But it's like, how far along the line? So like I have people who literally, I shot for this story the other day, they literally just gave me a product and said, do the things. Budget, do the things. I delivered them the things. Mm -hmm. and they liked it. Um, and I have people who's like, okay, we're literally setting up weekly to maybe daily calls until like to make sure we're on task and we're on time they're like involved in every step of the way yeah so it just depends upon what that that's that would be my second question is like okay how much because at the end of the day you want me to shoot a commercial for you um a lot of times especially ceos you're juggling so much you just want to be like okay hand it off i know it's good mm -hmm. so it's like let me be the person who can relieve that pressure i don't want to add pressure to you like, mm. that's my job i try not to add any pressure to you yeah you know i want to be a relief so let me bring let me take some stuff off your table take some stuff off your plate you know it's thanksgiving meal and you're over here unbuttoning your van you're like oh i don't know if i can eat that sweet potato pie don't worry i'll eat sweet potato pie for you <laughs> <laughs> and they can still get the enjoyment out of it and the calories <laughs> that's lit okay <clears throat> as a leader you said you, you're cultivating the community that you, or the culture that you wanted. How did you like learn how to be a good leader in this space? 
Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. For me, it's like I have seen, I've made all, I've, I've made all the mistakes, but I've made so many mistakes. So many mistakes, I've disappointed so many times, disappointed myself, disappointed others, um, and living in that failure. Mm. Living in it, not running from <clears> it, <throat> embracing it. Failure is a friend of mine. It's not an enemy, it's a friend. Yeah. He's taught me a lot. Um, and so I'm always constantly, I'm, I'm a little different. I would say this, I don't try to quote, I don't try to like keep my knowledge into myself. Anybody ask me, like, they'll be like, hey, what's your secret to this? I'll, I'll tell you exactly. Because mm. at the end of the day, I truly believe that I have a gift and that it can't be duplicated. So you're, I don't think of anybody as my competitor. It's like, you're gonna do it your way, I'm gonna do it my way. I can tell you exactly how to do it. It's gonna come out completely different. Yeah. Because you don't have what I have and I don't have what you have. Yeah. So anytime anybody's working with me and they're asking me, I tell them to ask questions. You know, and I'm telling them what I'm doing and I'm telling them this now. I'm super transparent, I'm super open to like, help out other people. Because it's like, at the end of the day, like, I want you to be successful. Like, I'm not here to, like, and that might not be the best business practice per se, but it's like, to me, it's, there's so much pie out here. There's so much pie. I don't have to have the whole pie. Yeah. I don't want the whole pie. Mm. Like I told you, I want to save the world. So me being the person who, I don't want to control the world. I want to save the world. So it's like me saving the world is helping other people realize it to take their gifts and to, you know, cultivate them. So, cause if we all do a little, none of us has to do a lot. That's my, my motto. So it's like, help people see that what's the little you can do? What's the little that you can do? And then suddenly the world's safe. Mm. You know, so. And so that's how you bring that to your leadership. Mm -hmm. mm. I try to impart, <clears throat> impart my mistakes, impart my failures. Um, if, you're, if you're working with me and you're making the same mistake that I made previously, I didn't do my job as a leader. Because at the end of the day, um, so my first ever boss was my favorite boss. Um, I would, my, for the solo company, I would still be working for them if they hadn't moved to DC. Okay. In Atlanta. Mm. Um, but he told me, he said, it's funny, he said, in, in 10 years that you're still working for me, I didn't do my job. Literally, second day on the job, he's telling me this. He says, because I don't, I'm not training workers, I'm training CEOs. <sighs> so you have to think about that mentality of like, you're meeting your employee, and it could be, not the hormone, I'm a great employee. So you're like, you're willing to lose out because you see the bigger picture in mind that you want me to go out and spread my wings and fly without you. Yeah. So everything he imparted in me was wisdom to like be able to make it on my own. Yeah. He didn't keep anything back. So I try to get that people. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like, listen, if a person comes up to me and they're a PA and they're just on my set and stuff like that, and then they go out and make a film that does better than any of my films ever, I am proud of them. Yeah. I am not hating on them. I want you to make films yeah. that are better than mine. I want you to be a better storyteller than me. I want you to, like, I'm, I'm a stepping stone. I want to alley-oop this. Like, I don't want to be the best. I want people to trump me. Like, I can't even use that word. No, no, right? But, like, <laughs> I want people to, like, go way beyond me. Yeah. Like, I, I want them to far exceed it because it's like, that means we're getting better. Yeah. Like, again, that means, like, we're, we're progressing and stuff like that. So, I just don't like, so I tell people knowledge. I give them the game, I, you know, not again, not necessarily the best business practice, but I'm not here to be the number one business. I'm here to help people. I'm here to serve. Mm, I was going to say to be your best, the best version of yourself. 
that. Yes. Because mm, as you as you keep putting these pieces together, you just like adding philosophies to like skill sets that was once a foundation and then the training and then you have your secret sauce of now how you you do creative work and you're putting left brain and right brain together and you're still seeking out what what you what about what you value and then you're trying to instill that in other people and then you learn about yourself as you instill that so i think as i'm hearing you your evolution process is not particularly driven by entrepreneurship um it's might not even it might not even be particularly driven on like maybe my philosophy which is like everybody needs to be free but it is that you you are truly you're exploring yourself and you're exploring like um the best way that you can bring value to other people um and that's pretty beautiful it's pretty beautiful one of the things that as you tell your story I think about um this this my journey and the fact that um I started off as a data analyst and then I then I had the curiosity to save the world, and then I found myself in a space that's completely opposite of uh, of like my left brain world. What I admire about your story is you started five years ahead of time. I took my leap a little bit before I had it all figured out. Right? I, I really bet on myself before I had all the the information. But I want so through the course that I'm creating, I want to create. Something where if someone wants to do what you did or what I did, they can do it in two years or they can do it in 12 months because you, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. You didn't know you were going to be an entrepreneur. It was just that question. Like we know there's more, we know we want to solve a problem. We know we want to save lives. How are we going to do that? I want to own my own thing. I want to do my own thing. What does that look like? I don't know, but I'm working towards it. Right. I'm going to start building these skill sets. I'm going to start getting money for it. Right. I'm going to find mentor mentorship. I'm going to create an ecosystem that's going to allow me to be successful. So doing that, we did it very uh, exploratory. That's what, that's what I'm res resonating with. Um, you're exploring yourself. You're exploring your skill set. You're building these things. Well, who's to say, like, if you have a target, we can kind of condense that storyline and make it, you know, do everything that you did intentionally, right? And we can make that, that journey more succinct, more streamlined. And then you can still explore yourself because entrepreneurship is not the end all. It's the beginning. It's the beginning, yeah gives more questions and it will give answers. You're going to learn some new about myself every single day. Every single day. It's a beautiful day. So as I think about this last thing, um, I would love for you to, to share with us is for the person who's currently in the left brain life. And yeah, they have an inkling that they might be good at something creative, but they don't believe they're creative yet. They might not even have had a camera at 12. Right. I would like for you to like tell us what is that one thing, that one skill set, that one piece that they can work on in order to make their journey successful if they truly believe that they want to do something on their own and they want to work in the creative space specifically. Creative space specifically. So first of all, I would say that um, don't categorize yourself. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would say is like, I am, I'm both, I, we both all have both brains. We all have capabilities of both of them. This is what have you tapped into. So don't categorize yourself. Don't say that, you know, just because I was an engineer, but I always been in the right and stuff like that. So I can work in the creative space. Um, so don't, 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 just because, don't compare yourself either. Like just because this person is that, like everyone's journey is their journey. Some people are going to achieve success at 18. Some people can achieve success at 80. It, 
does like in neither one of just because it came later in life doesn't make it any less beautiful. So don't categorize yourself. But if you're serious about it, what are you willing to sacrifice? Like I think that's the biggest thing you have to because really the biggest thing is like I have I've sacrificed relationships. Sacrifice, you know, that girlfriend that we talked about, she's next girlfriend. Like you said, um, I've sacrificed time. I've, I've sacrificed, you know, parties. I've sacrificed fun. I've sacrificed a lot of things to be here. Like this hasn't been, you know, without my battle scars. So what are you going to sacrifice? Like, I, you know, I mean, for years, like before Masterclass became like the wave, I've been on, I've been watching, I've had a subscription since what, 2015, 2016. I've been watching those videos for a while. Like I've been, I've digged down into the writing ones. Like I was an hour a day trying to watch them. YouTube University, like sacrificing, like going to bed at 2, 3 a.m. and popping up at 7 a.m. Like really just doing those things. Again, back to my journey. Like I was working two jobs to like get myself out of here. Not for the money, but for the experience. And many times I went and shot for exposure, which I tell people, don't shoot for me. Anytime somebody wants to pay you an exposure, they're usually full of crap. Um, but I shot for exposure just to literally be there and stuff like that and find that moment and stuff like that. So what are you willing to sacrifice? If you're not willing to sacrifice, then maybe at this moment, entrepreneurship is not for you because that's what it is. You've sacrificed a lot to be an entrepreneur. Every entrepreneur has sacrificed a lot. And I remember Elon Musk had a quote that said, um, I will, I work on my vacations. I work 360 days. I'm paraphrasing and paraphrasing it wrong. It's like, I work on my vacations. I work like six out of the seven days a week. Um, I've worked 360 days and people still say I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. There's no luck in this game. Mm. Luck is nothing but where opportunity meets preparation. Mm. So like if you're prepared, the opportunity will come because there's so many opportunities out here. So it's not it's not a lucky game. It's not like, oh, this falls in the people's lap. People say LeBron James was a millionaire at 18. You tell me if you can play basketball 12 hours a day from the age of 10 to 18 years old for eight years consistently playing, doing anything for 12 hours a day, yeah, you'll probably be a millionaire too in whatever you want to choose. Mm. There's a level of consistency you have to do. People say, Beyonce, like, you know how hard that she was working when she was a child? Michael Jackson, all these great people, like, you know how hard they were working, like, as children? That's why they got success so early because, yeah. you know, we can call Joe Jackson. He was, he was like, they, he, Michael Jackson had a job at five. Yeah. Literally 40, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. He was working doctor's hours as a five-year-old. Facts. That's why he was able to make Thriller. Mm. You know, so... That's the sacrifices that he made. He sacrificed, he sacrificed his childhood to become one of the greatest artists of all time. So, Facts. But that's entrepreneurship. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice to be a CEO? Yeah. And when you think about that and they answer that question, I love for them to think back to what have you gained after you've made all that sacrifice? How would you, work, how would you sum that up? So I have gained freedom. I've gained liberation. And the biggest thing is I've gained the value of self. You know, because one of the things I can say is that, like, how I felt in corporate America, I never want anyone who works with me or for me to feel that way. So I know I'm not creating a culture that I came from. I'm creating a brand new culture. And so I will say, ultimately, entrepreneurship is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. It is worth it. It is worth it. It's a journey. It's hard. It is not easy. I don't want to glamorize it because I don't want people to think, oh, yeah, just do it. Like, no, it's it's hard. It's going to test you. It's going to, you're going to break down. You're going to cry. I cried many a time. Um, you're going to get angry. You're going to, like I said, things are not going to go your way. But when they do, it is that pursuit of happiness moment where he claps and he's crying. It is it is ultimate happiness. It is euphoria. It is 
the greatest amount of freedom that I ever felt in my life. Mm. So, but again, you're gonna go through that mud, that 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 mud for that. It's Sarshang Redemption. Climb through a mile worth of doo doo mm-hmm. to be free. It's, it's literally, but are you willing to? Are you willing to go through that? It's it's gonna smell terrible. Yes, it's gonna be terrible. Mm-hmm. But freedom, or do you, do you want to stay in prison? It's the options up up to you. So at the end of the day, it is up to you. It's ultimately your decision. There's no wrong decision to make. It's nothing. If you choose not to be entrepreneur, it's like you know what. That's your choice, but realize that's your choice. That realize that's your choice. The power is in the, in the decision. And truth be told, as soon as you make that, like as soon as you make the decision to move forward, then let's get locked and loaded. Hey, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Like, don't, don't, go for don't, it. Don't be tapping on the line. Like, go do it. If you gonna do it, do it. It's like to me, it's like my whole thing is, if I'm a fail, I'm a fail big. Mm. If I'm a fail, I'm. It's gonna be like, hey, I'm sorry, guys. Like, ah, hey, but mm. you're not gonna tell me I didn't try. Yeah, that's the thing. That's one thing. You're not gonna tell me I didn't try. I'm a fail big. It's gonna be huge. It's like if you're gonna do it, do it. You know, because if you succeed, you succeed big too. Like you know, the risk. It's always gonna be risk, but there's that reward. Facts. So. Listen, I could. I have thoroughly enjoyed your story. Um, you're, you sum up every single point, almost every single point in your in your five year exit plan. It, it, not even just that, but like you're you just kind of remembering everything you've been through. That is what I w- wish everyone would start with. Start with exploring that side of yourself. And through your story, I really hope people who are listening and people who are watching um, find one a practical way of making that transition. But then also start to believe in yourself because if you can do it and if I can do it, they can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if that's a one piece of advice, I mean, you can do it. You Whatever can do you want to do, I don't care. You can do it. I don't care if you're 80 years old and you tell me you want to be a ballerina. You can do it. You might be the first to ever do it, but you can do it. Literally, you're standing in your own way. Literally. Just you got to make it happen. It's going to be some sacrifices. Mm-hmm. not going to be all bliss and glamour. No. You can do it. Facts. So, Enoch, uh, for those who are listening and watching and they resonate with your story, they either want to work with you as a client or they want to be trained by you as a mentee. Who who knows? Or they just want to follow your story. What are some ways that people can contact you or stay connected? Um, I would say easiest way would be Instagram. I do respond to my DMs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm pretty available there. So um, I'm at Walk With Enoch. My name is spelled E-N-O-C-H. So walk with E-N-O-C-H. Um, so they can follow me there. Like, I'm, hey, you need a mint- if you want to be a mentee, I'm always down. Like I said, I am busy. Mm-hmm. But um, like I said, you heard what I said. I say yes more than I say no. So it's kind of. Hey, yeah. but the first question is going to be, what is your story? So be prepared to answer the first question. Yes. All right. Literally ask it. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you so much for being here, Enoch. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Absolutely. Listen, we can go. We can do this all day, but you are the best. You you the goat. Listen. I receive it. Goats hang out with goats. Hey. Okay. That's a way to dead that. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, you all have a wonderful day. Go out there and be great. Find a way to explore yourself. And until next time, peace out.